was that turnaround that you do? Do you do the oh. team team building phase? A lot of just uh, the way I explain it to people is I'm like, honestly, we're kind of like praying a lot and talking to everybody that breathes about Jesus is kind of the the overall strategy. Our neighbors forming new networks in in the community, in, both in Royal Oak, but in kind of the surrounding cities of Berkeley and Ferndale and, and Oak Park. We have some northern uh, Detroit city connections. There's just kind of all kinds of people, a couple hundred thousand in this densely packed group of communities. Some people call it the, the Woodward Corridor in that area. So as, as we're building our team, we're moving towards Easter Sunday as a day that we're going to all look at each other and make a covenant to become a church, right? We're going we're gonna to commit and say, Let, let's move from a team to a church. We're going to start worshiping on, on Sundays, and we'll really be off to the races from there. And, and really up until this point, it's been this, this team of people that we've been kind of honestly just like building person by person, gathering together around a, a vision for the, the kind of church and the kind of people we, we think uh, need to be in Royal Oak for, for the glory of Christ to shine there. And, and that's ultimately what I want to share with you guys from Psalm 1. Really, it's a, it, it, I hope it's encouraging for you individually and even just uh, for your church here. But, but I, I kind of want to just start knitting our hearts together and even invite you as a church that's partnering with us to know what we're praying about, to, to pray with us and, and for us, to kind of lean into this vision um, with us. So, so really, the, I think I just titled it A Psalm One Church. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Now, are any of you guys from, I heard, I heard it's called like the east side over here, like this is west side and east side. Are any, any Detroiter, Detroit people over here? Okay, so we got, we got some. Um, now, when it comes to nicknames for Detroit, what would you guys say? Tell me, what, what is, what's like Detroit's uh, biggest nickname? What do we got? Somebody just yell it out. The Motor City, that's right, okay? That's probably what comes to mind first, but I am here to tell you this morning, did you know that before Detroit was ever called the Motor City, it was known as, and you've got to say it with, with some sophistication, the Paris of the Midwest. Have you guys heard this before, the Paris of the Midwest? You've heard this, okay. I, I honestly didn't know this until this week when I was studying, but I, and I don't get it, but I get it after kind of looking into it. The Paris of the Midwest you guys probably know this, but Detroit, right, Detroit, it was initially settled by the French, um, so a lot of the old, like, architecture reflects, reflects this, even the way the city was planned is kind of a little bit patterned after Paris. Fun fact, I guess Paris is really famous for its pigeons, which is, like, just the, the dirtiest creatures, right? They're like rats that can fly and just eat garbage, but Paris is known for its pigeons, and so Detroit, trying to own up to this name of the Paris of the Midwest, actually imported a bunch of pigeons you know, decades ago, and so if you go downtown today, there's a bunch of pigeons there, and you're like, well, where do they come from? It's because they, they literally came from Paris. Um, and, and interestingly, okay, interestingly, there's one other reason that Detroit's known as the Paris of the Midwest, and it's actually because of its, its rich tree canopy, okay, which is not there anymore, and I'll get to, but it used to have a rich tree canopy, tons and tons of, of beautiful trees. It, it made it a, a beautiful place, the Paris of the Midwest. And uh, now at the turn of like the 20th century, what basically happened, you guys know this, the Industrial Revolution, it led to all this innovation. This man named Henry Ford, right, puts Detroit on the map, becomes an, an automotive hub. And really what happens in Detroit is the buildings and the pigeons stay, but the trees are uprooted, okay, chopped down and and ultimately replaced by, like, factories for cars and stuff and a bunch of roads and, and highways. 
so that Detroit could become the Motor City. And so what you actually start to see is sometime after World War II, so basically in the 1950s, the full transition from the Paris of the Midwest to the Motor City basically happens. And, and honestly, if you're born now today, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know any different. And kind of interesting stats, so between 1950 and 1980, Detroit lost uh, half a million trees. Okay, 500,000 trees, and it's 140 square miles of land. I forgot to kind of do the math, but that's a lot of trees per, per square mile. And as Detroit became the Motor City, this uprooting of trees, listen to this, it was actually followed by an uprooting of lives. Okay, people, communities, and and people being displaced from their homes to build highways, and, and then the people with, with enough money actually getting in their cars and driving on those highways out of the city to ultimately build the suburbs. And so as, as the trees and the people were uprooted from Detroit, the, the city actually, in the long term, it, it, it suffered greatly. So today in Metro Detroit, like I said, about 5 million total people in the metro, only 700,000 living in the city. And, and it's interesting, you can hear about this on the news and read about it online, there's kind of a resurgence right now of people trying to, to rebuild and revitalize and invest in the city of Detroit, and there's all these different groups. One of them that fascinates me is a group, they're called uh, the Greening of Detroit. Okay, the Greening of Detroit, and, and basically, they're this organization that plants trees. Okay, they, they, they create green spaces in the city, their, their big vision statement is is growing tomorrow's Detroit. And they've actually been pretty successful with it in the, in the 40 years uh, so far that they've existed. It's like 54,000 volunteers have collaborated together, and I don't know how it exactly works, but they've increased the tree canopy by 24%. And you might wonder, it's like why you know, a tree canopy, a, a city is kind of, you think about uh, roads and buildings and things like that. You don't as much think about nature, so why is a tree canopy important for the life of a city. Do we, do we have any tree people in here? Tree fanatics, people that are really into it? I, I hope the things I'm saying are pretty, pretty true. I'm kind of becoming a tree guy. Here, here's why trees are crucial for our planet, but also for, for human communities and, and for cities. They, they provide shade, which actually regulates temperature, like protects people from, from the heat. They're a source of shelter, not just for humans, but for all kinds of animals. So it actually increases the biodiversity of an area. They actually function as like, a, like an organic air purification system, right? They suck up the, the carbon emissions and they produce oxygen. The roots of a tree, one of the things that they do, I didn't know this, they kind of like hold on to the rainfall and the rainwater that's in the soil, which prevents flooding and actually makes it better for people to build, build buildings on the land. And something we kind of know intuitively but when you have a rich tree canopy, when there's a bunch of trees, the overall quality of life for the people that live there, for the residents, it's actually like there's studies that show mental health and even like economic stimulus improves when you have a good tree canopy in a city. And so when the trees were uprooted from Detroit and replaced by highways and cars, it, it, it really, it boosted the economy in a major way, right? We became the motor city, but it honestly, it sucked the life out of the community, and especially in, in the way that a lot of the wealth left the city and, and relocated and, and built the suburbs. And so, so honestly, today, if you're living anywhere in Metro Detroit, there, there's a way that you can be experiencing prosperity in so many ways, but also the, a kind of um, like relational poverty, loneliness, 
division and, and dysfunction. And so, along with a bunch of other groups, the Greening of Detroit, like, they're, guys, they're, they're raising money and they're rolling up their sleeves and they're, they're collaborating, they're, they're getting to work to grow Detroit's future. Get this, through, through like the simple, faithful, hopeful act of like planting trees, <laughs> one, one tree at a time. That's, that, that's what they're doing. It, it really is an interesting collaboration between the city and the suburbs to make Detroit a better place for, for all people to live and flourish. And, you know, as a, as a Christian and as a pastor, I, I can see how the story of Metro Detroit has actually shaped its, its current spiritual situation. Okay, the, the, the story that I just kind of briefly told you, it's a, it's a story marked by greed and, and economic disparity and, and, and individual fulfillment at the expense of community, right? It's a story of racism and, and violence. It's, it's a story of self-reliance and even kind of self, self-sabotage. It's, there, there's a darkness to the, to the way that Detroit's story has unfolded. And, and the greening of Detroit, honestly, it's, it's got a real pulse on a legitimate solution to a real problem that, that really could increase the flourishing overall of the city. But solution doesn't go deep enough to the root of the problem. You know, Detroit, it, it does. It, it doesn't just need hundreds and, and thousands of new trees to bring life to the city. It needs hundreds and, and thousands of, of new, healthy people. Jesus, Jesus called these disciples. The Apostle Paul, he called these, these new creations. And, and Redemption City, like that's, that's ultimately that's why we're planting Rooted Church, because we want to be a part of the, the gospeling of Metro Detroit, Right? Metro Detroit needs, needs to be, be gospeled. And we've chosen to plant in Royal Oak because if, if, you, if you somewhat know where it is, it's just, it's just north of the city and it's strategically located along one of Detroit's major main arteries, Woodward Avenue. It's the kind of place that, that really like the, the life of the city and the life of the suburbs come together and you have a lot of overlap of, of communities. People, people who don't live there love to, to play there or hang out there or, or work there. It's kind of a, a melting pot kind of place. And it's a part of this, this dense and diverse set of communities known as, as the Woodward Corridor, place of great influence overall in just kind of the overall ecosystem of Metro Detroit. But even though it's great influence, it's, it's not a source of the life that's found only in Jesus. And so that, like, that's the, the, the problem as, as I see it and as other pastors and leaders in the area see it is that there's, there are five million people in Metro Detroit and not nearly enough disciples of Jesus to provide like a, a spiritual canopy of care and, and stability and hope. And, and so that's why we're kind of jumping in to plant a new church in Royal Oak and, and in the Woodward Quarter. Our, our mission is ultimately to to make disciples for Metro Detroit, right? Like Ford, they make cars. The church, Jesus said, your job is to make disciples. Form people who follow me and, and scatter them into the world. Healthy, you can think about it like a disciple, like a healthy human, right? That is, that is bringing the life of the gospel with them everywhere they go as they follow Christ, okay? And so, so after that kind of like longer introduction, that, that brings us to Psalm 1. The text that I wanted to turn there with you because it's, it's really inspired uh, our team 
about what, you know, what would it look like to plant a, a life-giving church in this area that bring, brings the actual life that this community really needs. And I want to walk it, through it with you and basically describe like, the kind of disciples we're striving to make, the kind of church we're striving to be, and then at the end I just have a, a question for you. So let's read it. Psalm chapter 1. Look there with me. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of, of the wicked will perish. 